Welcome to Tea O'Clock with Keller. Bring your tea and leave with more. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 12, I want to say. Ooh, 11 or 12. No, no, that's completely Even 13, 14. Who knows? Welcome back to... <laughs> welcome, just welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, to our first proper standard episode of the new year. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and a very oh. brand new fun film to be talking about yeah. today as well. We're talking about the magnificent Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel, another yeah. Knives Out mystery. I feel like I've forgotten how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've discovered this morning that, our, well, my brain is very foggy, so this is a lot yeah. of fun. No, it will be a lot of fun, and this is a very fun thing to talk about, so it it'll be good. But we will begin with our what we've been consuming we haven't done this in so long it's easily been a a month and a half more than that more like two months since november time i know because it's got to the point when when we're just having our normal catch-ups or facetime i'm like ella what have you been consuming (laughs) (laughs) do you want to start off okay okay i can start hey ella what have you been consuming this week I have exclusively been reading children's literature. Actually, that's a lie. I'm also reading a Patrick Hamilton book, but I've mainly been reading children's literature. So I've read Peter Pan and The Governess and Alice, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, so far for my children's literature module, which Kerry took last year. Um, but Alice is definitely my favourite so far. Peter Pan was all like I much prefer kind of the film versions of oh, it. Oh yeah definitely. I think it's definitely made for the stage and obviously it was a play before it was ever a book and you can see how it would work a lot better being performed. But it was still interesting to read. I don't know why they can't just have published the actual script. Yeah, but I don't know whether maybe back back then that wasn't a dumb thing. Yeah. That's not what they did. But I wonder whether you could find copies of the original script now and publish a playbook on it. That would be so cool. I might get in touch with the people who have the rights to Peter Pan. Yeah. I think it's the great Ormond Street Hospital. Yeah. That's always a good quiz question, that. Yeah, that is actually. So, yeah, I've been quite enjoying that. And I'm about to start some nonsense poetry today, which is very exciting. I might go a little bit mad. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I've watched 11 films so far this year that I can (gasps) remember, because I've been remembering a few. I've now list list down my films so much every year. Well, I say every year, I'm just starting it for this year. But I think the film I'll mention that I watched last was The Menu, which is the new Disney Plus film. It's actually not a Disney Plus film, it's just on Disney Plus. with Ralph Fiennes and Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor-Joy and I enjoyed it it was it was good I mean it wasn't the wasn't like a completely original never been done before kind of concept but it was a concept that was a known concept but done in maybe a kind of slightly new different way and I guess in the same way that Glass Onion has a lot to say about class Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the menu very obviously 
does as well but don't watch it if you don't like violence okay noted i would say um there's yeah there are quite a few shocks in it but yeah overall i quite enjoyed it okay and annie taylor joy is just fantastic in everything mm-hmm. i love seeing her her act and it's great to see voldemort you know with a nose um that's that i've been a big aloe recently i mean i have for have for a while i thank my friend erin from secondary school for getting me into Paolo Nutini. But recently I've been really enjoying his most recent album, which came out last year, called Last Night in the Bittersweet. Ooh, is... I like that. Sorry. Oh, my voice isn't what happened fun then. <laughs> Don't worry. So yeah, I've been really enjoying but Paolo, my favourite songs from the album are probably Through the Echoes and Abigail. I think they're my most listened to. So much mm. so that I think they're on my on repeat on Spotify um, now but yeah so that was my nice rambly what I've been consuming oh I'm missed hearing that <laughs> hey Kerry what have you been consuming this week I'm gonna go in reverse order to you okay. so well, my what I've been listening to I've been waiting for this moment for us to come back to say this because I don't know about you but like we read a lot we watch a lot listening is kind of like the same things yeah so I never have anything to say but no as you know sorry it's not exciting for you because you know um still, still exciting this new version of as it was that's come out I'm just all over it I'm so obsessed with it it's the most beautiful song ever yeah I just I didn't think as it was could get any better and I'm not saying it's better than the original it's so funky I love it it is, it is so cool yeah, it's it. quite prep and this probably isn't um, news to a lot of people because it has been going viral. Yeah. But I just need to give it a shout out because I just cannot get enough of that song. I'm listening to it. Definitely. It's the best ever. I love it. Oh, it's just so, I, I swear I can put it on and I'm like, oh, and I'm in such a good mood. It's just, yeah, love it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I just was aching to say. In terms of watching, I've only watched one film this year in comparison to your 11 that I can remember and the film I watched was Good Luck to Julio Grande which was the Emma Thompson and Dara McCormack one and I highly recommend it I really enjoyed it I've already spoken about it with Ella uh, but Dara McCormack plays an escort Leo Grande and Emma Thompson pays for his services quite a moral grey area you think, oh, I don't know, like, what's the film going to be like about that? It's going to be CD, but I like, absolutely not. It's really thought-provoking Ooh. and not purely about sex. Like, obviously, that is covered. Um, but, yeah, just, like, loads of super interesting conversations happen in it. Ooh. So I really enjoyed that. And then, for my what I've been reading, the last book I read would have been, let me think, You've read loads recently. Yeah, I have. On it. Yeah, I did take off. I read, so I started reading this. Actually, I'll tell you about this short story I read because that was the last mm. book I read. So I started reading this anthology, and I found it in the library, and it was so pretty. And it was this Spanish collection of romantic short stories, and I got there was one that was passionate ones, and one that was more like 
heartbreak kind of vibes and I started reading the passionate one and I read one story in it and I was like do you know what I don't think this book's for me so that one I've decided I'll take that back to the library yeah but I looked at the contents page for the other one and I would we'll, we'll link it it'll be on our blog um and that one looks really cute so I'll probably read that but anyway um so the short story I did read which is on my Goodreads but not part of my challenge because I can't justify 15 pages being a book <laughs> <laughs> was called um I'm not sure it's title in English but in Spanish it's called La Contesa de Tende so it's, I don't know I don't think it's been like properly translated in English mm. as in like the title some form of like countess of Tende I don't know and mm-hmm. um, it's such a crazy short story I think it's like it might be 17th century probably more 18th century uh, but this French writer Madame Lafayette and it's about this woman who's really obsessed with this guy and then they're together but then he goes off to marry this other woman basically mm-hmm. to show how much he loves the woman he's with because it's kind of like a Macbeth situation okay get more money in that obviously like doesn't really work out it's quite like violent and like it's just I won't go on about too much but, like super scandalous and I'm like oh like can't believe this came out like 18th century mm. so, it's that one was a three-star read from me because I was like mm, interesting for the time period but made me want to not read the rest of the collection <laughs> fair enough fair enough yes um but yeah, I'll be reading quite a lot. We'll see. If I slow down, I might fill you in on the other ones mm-hmm. in later weeks. But That's if it. I keep here in full speed, then there'll be more so you can check out my Goodreads, see what's happening on there. Yep. Our Goodreads are linked on the blog. Yeah. And on our Instagram bio in the the link in the bio to our link tree. Can't yeah. get all the plugs in today, aren't we? No. All our links. Oof. So I kept thinking about our podcast when I was so I've started an internship and I'm doing a lot of the socials and I was thinking like thank god for our podcast because I mean you've been making the posts obviously like I've been writing them as well and I was like oh like if I hadn't done that I wouldn't know what to caption any of these things off this is such a good practice for it's life. such good practice such yeah. good experience for us and fun at the same time so yeah, yeah. oh I've just absolutely missed doing these. Thanks for lovely what you've been consuming. Well, yeah, we... thank you. I really miss this as well. So now on to the part where we go, let's summarise. Let's summarise. You know what? I'm going to take one for the team and summarise this one because I okay. never do it. Go for it. Yeah, new year, new me. So, we are entering spoiler territory. Oh, we this is not. spoiler central. Spoiler central today. So yeah if you haven't seen it already it'd be fun to hear us chat about it yeah yeah go watch it it's on netflix it's great yeah do it both of them are on netflix right yeah yeah i've watched both of them yeah i watched them both in the past couple of months a couple of months a couple of weeks <laughs> okay so the original knives out mystery is the chris evans one with anna diamas well, loads of people. It's like brilliant cast in both films. And obviously Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. Yeah. And that was... Oh, detective. Yeah, it's absolutely Agatha Christie central, that. And it's Dark Old House. 
old man's mares have been start who did it well he'd done it sorry so this one complete change of setting on a wonderful island off somewhere in greece i think yeah out in the mediterranean and it's locked down so i don't know how they got to travel there anyway but well i mean they're rich they could do whatever they want well it's true he's up a murder mystery party it's a murder mystery party where that is very quickly like quashed and the murder doesn't actually happen as such yeah but then there is another murder (gasps) an actual murder that no one was expecting yeah and then everything unravels before our eyes there's plot twist of one of the characters isn't who we thought she was yeah yeah that's that yeah yeah and I feel also, like you, that's the simplest way of summarizing it because mm-hmm. we'll go into more about all the bits that happened yeah. oh and also it's like this whole scientific tech thing is going on at the same time about this new yeah. like gas that's going to be released in the future because yeah. that's what the main guy Miles does he's like Elon Musk kind of guy yeah definitely yeah so that's the briefest summary so far and there's yeah. also a fantastic stellar cast of oh, yes you run through who, who's in it oh, you're the one with the cast list up not me obviously we've got Daniel Craig yeah. we've got Kate Hudson Kate Hudson I was about to say Goldie Horn, but that's her mum's name and I was like <laughs> that's the wrong person the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy oh, Dave the Easter yeah um yeah. Agatha from <laughs> Agatha um, from WandaVision. Yeah. Um Janelle Monet. Yeah. What is the guy called? Hang on. Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot. And um Leslie O'Doom Jr. is in it. Yes, of course. He's How um, Lionel. Oh, and um he can't. There's a Hugh Grant cameo. Yeah. Who is this Ethan Hawke, was it? Was he? Who is Ethan Hawke? Oh, do you know what? I have a vague memory of going, oh my god. Like I think he's in it for a cameo. Uh yeah. And there's I can't remember whose voice it is who does the hourly dong, but that's some really famous person. Is it? Also, there's a Stephen Sondheim cameo. There's an Was there? Yeah, you know when at the beginning when um Benoit is in his bathtub playing Among Us and he's on like Zoom or whatever to yeah. four friends, three or four friends. One of them is Stephen Sondheim, one of them is Angela Lansbury, someone oh else God. and someone else. And that is his final on screen role. And I think Angela, I think it's Angela Lansbury. I think she's one of the Golden yeah. Girls. Yeah. I think that's also her last on screen thing as well because they both passed away last year. Oh my God. I didn't even notice. Yeah, little Stephen, Stephen Sondheim. When I saw it, I was like, what? Also, it's Joseph Gordon Levitt who does the hourly dong. Yo Yo yes. Ma, wasn't it? Basically, oh, Ryan Johnson really is like able to pull so many strings and get so many fantastic yeah. actors into his films. Yeah. Great. And then they name drop loads of other celebrities. So they name drop Jared Leto, Jeremy Renner, yeah. um, Gillian Flynn, the author. Yeah. 
but I feel like that adds to the whole the fact that these are kind of quite rich up their own asses kind of people it's a very big pop culture moment you know yeah did you see the mural of Kanye oh my god yeah did you, did you send me this thing that was like all the easter eggs in it I don't think so oh. but yeah I can imagine that there are loads it's just yeah, they were pointing out like the Kanye stuff yeah um, interesting I can't remember any of the other easter eggs <laughs> can I? He also can happens to have the Mona Lisa, just casually. Well, it's too crazy to say. Anyway, did you like the film? I did like the film. I thought it was really entertaining. It was really fun, and it was quite satisfying because you're kind of at the beginning. You're thinking, okay, someone is going to die because you know that's kind of how mm. it's set up. These sorts of films yeah and then it's fun trying to figure it out and the little plot plot twists were quite good but everything was together really well Mm. in the end there wasn't any kind of loose threads of things yeah it was really satisfying in that way so I did I thoroughly enjoyed it what did you think I loved it I love these kind of films the ones where it's a mystery slash thriller but it's not scary because I yeah bit scary like the ones that are more like puzzle solving kind of thing you know Mm. I really like those and it is this is the modern Agatha Christie the whole definitely it's just super fun and what I like about this one is that you know it's not just the same as the last one at all it's like you don't even have to see the first one to watch this one no you don't and so you know so you can't you don't really compare them as such they're just very much their own separate entity it's like yeah. power isn't it yeah, and, uh, exactly. and it's so fun in that so many films with or books we've complained about well i've complained about this podcast when they try and make it really current and it's so cringe but this yeah. one so self-consciously making fun because the whole thing is like it is based around how just deluded and Got every bad word you can think of. Yeah. <laughs> Ever Norton plays, who's this, like, as I said, Elon Musk kind of character and must be 100% inspired by him. Mm. And so I really like that. Like, that just makes sense, you know? And so every time I mentioned Alien Current, like, it's all, it's brilliant satire at the same time as being a super interesting mystery thing. Definitely. It balances, balances that line. I don't know. It, that's not the right way of phrasing it but you know it treads yeah. that line really really well unlike yeah. the final chapter of beautiful world where are you which <laughs> does not really <laughs> yeah. you think also um, with like a lockdown thing god how are they gonna do it but like obviously they had to set it up at the start yeah to explain but you know it just makes sense if they're on this isolated island and he's got all this tech stuff um, yeah exactly like the less said about it the better I definitely agree because you could have easily had this film without that you wouldn't have to put a date on the film Mm. and it would have still worked yeah with it having that kind of rooting in time in that way it still works it still makes sense doesn't feel like he's just done it for the sake of it no do you remember Kate Hudson talking about it on the Graham Norton show it was a while ago because obviously it's only just been 
released a couple of weeks ago but it was out in cinemas earlier wasn't it yeah it was in like November time yeah and they were talking about her awful kind of mask thing she has on that's so funny so funny and it reminds me of a mask that Lana Del Rey wore at some point in the past couple of years and I was like that has to be be a comment on that that was funny it's it's funny because it's such a funny film not only for being sat out, but just generally, like, having just random things in there. Like, you know, how there's that random guy in it. Just that right, ra- literally. And I was like, is he going to be a plot point? No, he never is. He's just, well, just because, like, he. I swear he randomly kept popping up in the last one, that guy. I think, I think there may, may be, yeah. Or at least there was some other random guy. So it just seems like a fun little Ryan Johnson thing that he does. Yeah. And I like... For instance, with so when at the start they all get invited to the island and they have this weird box we have to solve all these puzzles. Yeah. I love even that bit. They just take a hammer to it and they're like, yeah, we're just done with that. <laughs> there is a nice mix of traditional mystery, but also like, yeah, let's just get on with it. With yeah. That. You Definitely. know, I really enjoy that. Um, and I also like that so it's you know a good mix of entertainment, but also like makes you think. And um it's really good in terms of like it's timely with its commentary in terms mm. of like not only the super powerful men who are doing the worst with that power yeah um, and funding all these different people's yeah. endeavors and all these different yeah, areas. And, you know anxieties about what is happening with science yeah <laughs> you know energy crisis like fuel mm. crisis as well like that's super timely yeah and, it is you know, as you think, class as well. It always is in these things because murder mystery seems to in the estate of a super rich person. Yeah. Yeah, and that also seems like a Ryan Johnson trait mm. as well from the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because Janelle Monet's character echoes Anna Diarma's character to yeah. a big similar archetype, I guess. Yeah. I think we've stepped around the elephant in a room long enough. Let's discuss the big plot twist and Andy. The fact that it's not Andy, but it's her twin sister, Helen, because Andy is dead. (gasps) I did not see that coming. I didn't. I loved it. Like, when it happened, I turned to my dad and I went, (gasps) Honestly, the same. I was like, this is not where I thought this was going. (laughs) Yeah. See, for even you to not have picked up on that, like, I'll show you that as a mega plot twist. Mm, Yeah. Always know. What? What what do you think about that? I quite liked it and it was quite clever. And then obviously, you then understand why Daniel Craig is there. And I especially like slightly later in the film when they, like, after you find out that it's Andy and they re show, and not Andy, it's Helen, not Andy. And they re-show you clips from when they were, like, their time on the island so far. And they kind of fill in the gaps. Yeah. All the bits that we've been left. And I think the way that's done is so clever. It feels real and believable in a sense because it's, like, just a continuation of a scene or you're seeing the scenes and the gaps where you were maybe seeing something else at that point. And I think the way that's done is so clever and... It just makes you go along with it. You're like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree because 
I think once you find out that it is Helen, then you're already replaying the earlier scenes in your yeah. mind. It's nice that they do go back over it. And you're like, oh my God, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So it, it, it definitely goes along with you as you, well, I mean, that's pretty standard, isn't it? So, you know, like working out as you work out, like the film. Yeah, as it, it doesn't feel obvious. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like when you find out that she's the twin, you don't go, oh, okay, I know how all of this is going to pan out now. There's it doesn't do that. It always keeps enough hidden yeah. to slowly reveal to you. Yeah. It's really nice in terms of like, normally I find that when there's a plot twist, it might be at the end and like, guess what? It was her twin sister. It was nice. It was more like at a halfway point. Yeah. It was a slow, gradual build up to the mm. end and the big reveal of like what's going to happen. I think it's nice that like you kind of work out. Well, I don't know. I got the vibe from the start that it was Evil Miles guy who did kill her yeah and what I like about my mystery it's not so much like who done it but mm. more so about it what were the reasons behind it how has it affected everyone else yes uh, like how does it move out beyond one person and like how can we do justice mm. now because I think sometimes with murder mysteries it's that thing with like kind of um any crime film when you know you don't want to glorify it you don't want yeah. to glorify murder and so that's what I think Glass Onion does really well is not glorifying it but more so like, it's a whole character study it's a whole thing mm. about like how does it impact everyone and you're not working out as I said who did it but it's more so okay like what how has this affected Helen why is she doing this for Andy it's more about her motives as such which is really good. It like it returns the power to her. Yes, definitely. I one hundred percent agree with all of that, and I think that's what makes this film so appealing and yeah. such a good film. Because, like you say, you don't want to end the film with being like, "Oh, she's actually dead," but here you go, this one's alive, so it's fine. It's more about kind of the ripple effects and. Yeah the bits before and the bits after and how that kind of creates the the picture as a whole and I think you see that especially in that kind of second half and that very last act of the film where it's just this the big effect on everyone of everything really it's called a knives out mystery and the mystery at its heart is how did society and these powerful men destroy the life of this incredible woman that's yeah. what it's about and it becomes you know, like, about this napkin about her intellectual property and yeah. like her human rights frankly yeah um, exactly and that can even you can even see that kind of rippling down to all the others as well and his control over their lives and yeah. that bit at the end when they're all sat outside and they're all standing up for themselves against him which they've never done before and you can see how that's such a great character growth for all of them that they're realizing self-worth in a way and how they don't need this one rich guy who isn't actually as clever or as great as he claims to be yeah and there's that whole metaphor about the glass onion 
and yeah. I think the glass onion like that's a saying that exists a thing that exists before this film oh really I'm just going to quickly google it because I'm sure it is oh interesting yeah I do think when they came up with the title for this film it's like glass onion that's an interesting choice <laughs> but okay did it also while you're googling it did you get slight catching fire vibes <laughs> yes I, I it's think... like everyone rebelling against the cap- the capital yeah and also just the how well it's on an island and different parts of the island be different things at different times like with the doms and I mean yeah. it's on an island but like the weird things of like you can't smoke in one part and it goes yeah it's always fun when this thing is a big character who I like that as well in this film Glass Onion originated from the Beatles song <gasps> what name which is about overanalyzing something that's not intended to mean more than what it is on the surface. Oh, that's so cool. That's super fun. I'm glad you Googled that. Yeah, and it originates from a Beatles song, oh, which was kind of Paul McCartney taking a mick at people who read into everything too much. Mm. And I guess that's quite obvious, like with the keeps talking about onions and layers and I'm surprised he never makes a Shrek reference but I feel like it's the, that's a big elephant in the room throughout the entire film whenever they're yeah, talking literally. about onions and layers people are like okay when's he gonna mention Shrek yeah and we're all thinking it but the fact of the onion being glass being able to see this kind of empty inside which is kind of what Miles is it's kind of just an yeah. empty shell of a person who has a random ideas and actually gets all the other people to do the legwork and the yeah. actual idea generating for him True. I think it's a, a metaphor that is directed at the audience as well in terms Definitely. of inspection right let's solve this and you can imagine you know there's memes of uh, how people got some kind of like clue game for but it wasn't quite that and like then people are arguing about the motives in that over Christmas is that yeah. kind of thing that the notepad okay oh I think it was him and like that makes sense this was a motive or it actually says the audience you miss what's right in front of you you saw from the start that this guy was just pure evil yeah just purely bonkers and yeah and you're just missing what's right in front of you which is it's all about how he just tore this woman down yeah and how he just manipulates everyone around him and even in that example of when Duke dies and the whole like glass thing and how Benoit Blanc is like well you you said that he must have picked up the wrong glass and everyone just straight away kind of jumped on that idea yeah that kind of shows you how how far his kind of manipulation of all these people goes that he's able to just say one thing and they just believe him straight off the bat as English students who enjoy analyzing stories just in terms of the narrative structure this is really good lesson in like unreliable narrators. One hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, like the whole thing of like of perspective and like say what you see in a mission. There's so much going on here. Super, super interesting. I'd love to analyze it. Well, I guess we are now. Yeah. Same, and I think it would be a really interesting film to watch again for a second time, knowing. Yeah, everything. Because I'm sure there are lots of little things that you'll pick up on. And I wonder whether it's one of those where the cast 
had read the entire, I think it probably is one of those where the cast had read the entire script before, so knew exactly what was going to happen. And I think it'd be interesting to see how, whether there's any tiny clues in their acting in the earlier half of the film that kind of foreshadow the later part. Or maybe I'm just personally thinking too much into this because I love finding like the little things. I'm overanalyzing the film. It shouldn't be overanalyzed, but also should be analyzed. It's Brian Johnson is making such an interesting yeah. kind of comment. He's like, don't look that deep, but look that deep, but don't really. Oh yeah. Oh, that's actually confusing. Yeah. And maybe I just made that more confusing. No. But I think watching it a second time would be interesting. Because I'm exactly. sure you pick up on lots more like little Easter eggs or little yeah. snippets that maybe you didn't see before. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And another thing actually that I was seeking to mention. Um, so we spoke a lot about class, but haven't really delved into it. Mm. Now, obviously, the hardest film is that it's a load of rich people come together. But what's interesting we've touched on is that these people are only rich because they rely on this one man and they have to keep relying on him in order to stay rich and to keep their status. Yeah. So really, like they are, in theory, they are rich, but like technically they're not. Yeah, Um, and it's that bit where when they all kind of first kind of met and formed that little group yeah. with Miles in the Glass Onion, like 10 years before, they were just all people just bumbling through their lives. Yeah. Basically. Um, I think the film shows that whole idea of this top 1% controlling however much ridiculous amount yeah. of the world's wealth. And it's ridiculous you see that like all these other people even like the supposedly like rich and famous, it's still all like just cogs in this one machine. And especially yeah. like if you look at um Andy and well not necessarily Andy but Helen as such and she was completely inferior she's like, I don't talk like them, I don't act like them. Mm. But really like all these people that supposed to have money, it's not necessarily saying like you know like rich people are bad, it's not like as simple as that. But it is interesting to see how like, the age-old thing of like money is and everything. But like, it, God, it is. But also, yeah. Helen and how she is able to see the clearest of them all. She's the most perceptive because she's mm. not clouded by her like having to be attached to Miles and relying on him. It's really yeah. interesting. Definitely, because all the others are so reliant on him to the extent where they will forego their own opinions and views to follow him. I think you see that with when Lionel and Claire are talking about how they signed off on this clear fuel or whatever, even though they both know it's not right and doesn't work, but they did it for their kind of personal safety and the kind of the the safety that Miles could offer them, which is very interesting. Which makes, you know, this a perfect lockdown kind of film. It's mm. all about, you know, like, selfish individuals versus the greater good, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of like a utilitarian moral film. Mm. And, yeah, so when you imagine all of us in lockdown, stuck in our homes and whatever, then we've got these rich people in this film 
going off like don't care doing whatever like when we all had her massive birthday party and just didn't care yeah. at all. like good for you and it's the same concept in terms of Definitely. yeah you could kill loads of people by signing off this fuel and stay rich like it was all good for you or mm. you like not be rich but still be props all right and just yeah. actually people lots going on in terms of the one versus the many in this film it's another interesting element definitely and luckily in the end that's his own undoing yes yeah which, which is, is a nice touch great poetical justice yeah poetic justice yeah it's really. poetical <laughs> just <laughs> one of those days yeah I'm just adding in more random sounds to words does he give you miles othello vibes kind of it's just the whole kind of like hubris thing and yeah without the kind of insane jealousy yeah without the whole well in a way he's kind of yeah just like wants to be andy and control her yeah that is fair yeah i hadn't i hadn't thought about the kind of a fellowy link but i see it i think it's just the like being his own downfall yeah his own downfall and thinking that way he also seems to kind of have like iago-ish kind of manipulating vibes very much so yeah i mean he plays it off well when helen arrives on the boat and he acts like it's andy like he plays that off well yeah i wonder whether stayed with andy to see whether she was actually dead or not I guess they never go into that. Exactly. He would have. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who cares. Then about. he also kind of, to me, does seem like the kind of guy who would like do it, but then not check, <laughs> like yeah. not make sure, and then accidentally be like, "Oh." I think oops. he just want to get out of there. Yeah. I was just thinking that the general plot and morals and themes of this film, I can see it being. I would go as far as to say, like, back to, like, a Greek tragedy. Well, actually, maybe no, because they wouldn't be as complex. But a modern version of that, definitely. Yeah, like an updating of so many stories. That's why I speak back to Othello. I mean, obviously, I'm not Greek. But, you know, the whole tragedy element. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's a weird kind of comedy tragedy sort of film. Yeah, it is. Isn't it amazing that it's such a successful film, it's broken all these records of Moat Street or what have you. Yeah. Um, and we loved it and it was so entertaining. And yeah, we could also we have spoken about it for so long. Mm. And there's so many other elements to it that you don't necessarily see at first sight. So we're kind of glass onioning. <laughs> glass onion and glass onion yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But no, and you can you can see how much thought and everything has mm. gone into it and I think Ryan Johnson is such a great writer and director he's very clever he's saying some very interesting things about the world but in quite a careful way but also a very entertaining and fun way yeah he's got a real knack for it yes slips it in without you it 
it hitting you in the face you know yeah. like you're aware of it but it's not one of the things where it detracts from the plot if anything it adds to it exactly yeah it's a similar thing in the first glass onion one as well with how he's kind of commenting on things in a kind of very nuanced clever way but still really entertaining and that same kind of comedy tragedy thing like he's he's got it down and no one can kind of copy him yeah yeah I do apologize we were vaguely going to chat about that film but do I remember it no (laughs) that's all right (laughs) I watched it when I was back at home a few a, a week or so after watching the glass onion yeah. one because we wanted to re-watch it and it is good it's yeah. another very clever ties it up really well it's got the similar similar formula of the whole you kind of know who done it really quickly yeah but then it's trying to figure out all the extra stuff and then there ends up actually being a bit of a twist and there's some fun car chases and yeah I do really like that I just haven't seen it in a long time yeah yeah my overriding memory is my mum again being like I don't get it and she missed a bit when they revealed it was Chris Evans and I was like oh my god oh and Chris Evans in that white jumper oh long. Iconic. <laughs> um another comparison I just wanted to slip in there because you know I love these comparisons there we go. uh and then there were none has to be brought up because Ooh, yeah Christy and it's on an island yeah um, completely different vibes of course um but just I just wonder if that does have any bearing on this at all I do um, think Ryan Johnson is definitely kind of a making the modern day Agatha Christie yeah. kind of murder mysteries but with a great 21st century twist on them like he's reinventing it in a way but in a careful way yeah in that like when they say that Gillian Flynn wrote the whole thing like had the invites made especially for the guests and uh you know like it's all been very constructed like the original this is a bit of vibes of like Agatha constructed this original mystery at an island Mm. this is the version of what would happen if it was in Greece. Yeah. Also, when you think of, like every single person that goes to the island in and there were none, they're there because they've supposedly committed some kind of sin. Like mm. they all went to court and weren't convicted. And so, you know, it's like justice. Um, yeah, exactly. Basically killing them off. And it's the same idea that everyone that's invited to the island in Glass Onion they are somehow supposed to have sinned like I guess against their will mm. in their connection yeah, you, miles. you can question how much that was kind of against their will yeah or not. but yeah no that that's a really interesting comparison I can yeah and I wouldn't be surprised if we found out that Ryan Johnson was yeah. a big Agatha Christie fan or had read them all because I feel like when you make a murder mystery she is I know she's not obviously the OG because murder mysteries were kind of a thing before. yeah but Maybe she's I'm like wrong. The, but she's the, the pinnacle yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So. I just thought it was worth bringing up because I, I love that yeah 
book slash film and I thought yeah. oh I do have a question for you um, seeing as you are Ryan Johnson's number one information person so uh, when I was looking through the Oscar nominations I saw that Glass Onion I think was nominated for best adapted screenplay it's definitely um, nominated for something I can't remember what my question mm. was what is it adapted from hmm. I mean, what do you mean why is it yeah, just very a quick okay why glass onion is nominated for best adapted screenplay um and supposedly top gun maverick was nominated for the same reason in said category oh yeah it i wondered about that as well as johnson previously told ew agatha christie's evil under the sun and Herbert Ross's cruise mystery, The Last of Helia, were both formative, but it's not directly adapted from them. You don't have to be directly adapted from a novel or film to count as an adaptation for the Oscars. But because it was, it took inspiration from these other kind of crime mystery novels, Hmm. it's technically an adaptation. And because it carries over... Benoit Blanc it's also an adaptation of the first one supposedly oh okay interesting yes I suppose because it's not a completely original idea and it's taking on some previously used characters and themes and ideas that's why it's cast as adapted screenplay okay which seems a bit weird and vague to me actually yeah because so what, like all these cliched romance films would count as like original? Yeah, that's difficult to categorise. And that's why it's saying that Top Gun Maverick is the same because it carries on. It takes Maverick's character and builds on a story from that story. So all sequels are adapted? I don't know. It's, it's a question to ask the Academy and I don't think the Academy would have a very clear answer for us. <laughs> yeah I think that's, that's pretty cool that it got an Oscar nomination yeah love that I was gonna say I think that's a nice segue because I feel like we've come to the end of our last onion discussion yes can and I just say oh sorry yes one one tiny final thing I was hey, out you... at my friend's house talking to one of her parents before I came back to uni and we mentioned this film and she said to me she said do you think it was really Helen or Andy? She was like, do you think the twin was actually the twin or not? And she seemed to think that potentially Andy didn't die and that Andy just pretended to be Helen to pretend that Andy died. I don't know. I was very confused. And I was like, I don't really, I don't, I didn't think that would be a thing. I'm going to say no, because... She, if so, she grew up her hair very quick to get it really chopped off. Yeah, and that's what I thought as well. I was like, I'm not sure. And then also, she would have surely had to have a body in order to kind of for the media to find out that she had died. And she doesn't really have any motivation to do that in any way. No, because otherwise, why would they do the whole reveal of like, oh, it's actually, yeah. But I thought it was interesting that that was a potential that people were like, oh, 
was she actually the twin or was it just her? Okay, yeah. Interesting, weird. But all in all, yeah. great film. I'm definitely going to watch it again. Amazing. How many stars are we giving it? Really rubbish at giving stars lately. I would guess four because... I feel five, like it gets a solid four, yeah. It's really good, but five stars is reserved for La La Land, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think a solid four is a, is yeah. a good, good level. Yes. Yes. 100%. Which we probably could have said at the start, but anyway. Well, we said it at the end, yeah. it's okay. Talking of Oscars, on to our... Um, moment. Oh, I want to start because I thought, obviously, we love talking about all the awards, all the nominations. Yeah. I've never picked the same person, but obviously I was going to pick a blonde nominee. Yeah. Have you also picked, have you picked this same person? I don't know. I mean, I don't actually know if she's um, been nominated for an Oscar. I don't think she has. Okay. Well, I'll... I'll... You go first. So, um, I want to go to Michelle Williams, who probably have given a blonde moment to you before. I don't think we have. Oh, okay. But no, that's a fantastic... Because oh, I've also recently, sorry, been watching Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh, have you? I think Michelle Williams is in that. Yeah, I still haven't carried on because it was... A, the first episode was a lot. Um, my, yeah, Under the Banner of Heaven is a lot and it carries on to be a lot. Um, oh, yeah, okay. We'll see. I'll wait for your final review of that. See if I carry yeah. on. I've still got a couple of episodes. Anyway, sorry, Michelle yeah. Williams. Yeah, because obviously incredible actress. And so she's been nominated for... Oh my god, what's it called? The new Steven Spielberg film is out. That... The Fablemans. Ah, oh, yeah, that's it. That has. Oh my god, what's his name? It's like something in Reno. The guy who played the Joker. The Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know his face, but I couldn't tell you his oh, name off the top Dano? of my head. Actually, is that his name? Oh, I don't know. That guy is it here. Um, but anyway, so yeah, she's dominated for that, and I think that she should be a super interesting film. Uh, but I thought, like, oh, brilliant to bring her up because you know it's it's incredible to celebrate all these amazing actresses, which is you know, who we tend to go for. But another amazing element is you know she was on the Graham Norton show last week, and she was talking. Oh, I haven't about, watched last week's episode yet. Yeah, she was but, talking yeah. about the whole. Do you remember when she had to reshoot that film? And it came out that she was paid like pittance in mm. comparison to who was she in the film with? I can't remember. Was it like Mark Wahlberg or someone? Yeah. I remember. Um, and then obviously that was like big me too thing and that, you know, it sparked this whole movement. Um, well, you know, like that was a big moment. And she was talking about it on Graham Norton and saying that that's that her choosing to speak out about it. Mm. Like that's probably when she looks back on her career, the thing she's proudest of. Yeah, I think they should be proud because she said like so many people have come up to her since and said that they didn't even realize that the pay gap was that bad, mm. um, like men and women. And there's a yeah, that's really good. And you know, she was saying that she thinks that things are improving. It is really good to hear. Mm, definitely, like, yeah. Pop off, Michelle. Like that's. So proud of you for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, yeah. She's a, 
a really good actor. Um, she definitely is. Like, I think it's you know, really good that she's bringing light to these issues. So absolute queen for Blonde Moment. Absolute queen indeed. Yeah. Very, very good Blonde Moment yeah. choice. Thank you. Blonde so who's your Blonde Moment? My Blonde Moment is going to Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, brilliant. Because obviously everyone knows her from all of her great like supporting actress roles in the yeah. past however many years and things like Legally Blonde and um what else The Watcher a Cinderella Story all those sorts of things and a few weeks ago whenever the Golden Globes was mm-hmm. she won her first big award she won a Golden Globe for oh. Best Supporting Actress in The White Lotus I think she also won an Emmy for Thank that you. role as well Ooh. And I remember seeing a clip of her. I remember it was like two weeks ago. I saw a clip of um of her speech. And it was just so wonderful that she she's had such a kind of long career of kind of doing bit jobs here and there. And obviously she must love it because of because she's been doing it for so long. But the fact that she is a she now got this award and got recognized for it all and I think it's you don't often see older actresses in Hollywood that aren't like Meryl Streep and yeah that's true actually whatever and I think we're definitely going to see her in so much more stuff over the coming years and it's just great to see love for her yeah it's just great to see so much love for these amazing women who have been in the industry for so long, as well as all these women who are coming into the industry yeah. now as well. But I feel like we've both picked picked people who have, you know, been in the industry a while and are still going strong and still kind of making making strides for women in mm. the film industry. So yeah. Big ups to Jennifer and Michelle this week. Yeah. And it's just really lovely to talk about them because, you know, obviously people know them and are aware of them. It's just nice yeah. to take that moment to reflect on actually, like, what baddies they are. Exactly. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some wonderful, wonderful women out there. And I'm excited for awards season. I love awards season. Oh, we love it. I'm excited for the Brits as well. <gasps> yes. Oh, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. Big, big fans. Okay, so Ella, what are we returning with next week? I believe we are returning with some late Victorian Gothic next week. Yes, we are. Am I right? Is it The Beetle and Jekyll and Hyde? Yeah. Ooh. Which will be interesting. I'll have to rack my brain about The Beetle, look at my notes again. I think yeah. that'll be a fun one to talk about because I feel like it's not talked about much outside of academia. No, my plan for today actually is to, I'm going to make notes, I can't believe this, I'm doing research on the podcast, I'm going to... Look at us go, New Year, anyway. I'm notes on both of them, just to clarify, because I've decided to not reread them, and yep. so I'm just going to make sure, I mean, I have the plots in my head. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to give you all this, like, literary... I'm really excited next time it's gonna be great it's gonna be great fun so we're looking forward to it thanks for listening to tea o'clock with keller see you next time